Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Let us pray. Father, here we are again in your presence, God. Thank you for this glorious and wonderful day. Thank you for the manifold blessings you continue to shower down upon us, God. Thank you for your love that was shared for us on Calvary. Now it's preaching time, God, and I pray that you would just touch these lips of clay that I may proclaim your truth in Jesus' name. Bless us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Galatians, the sixth chapter. Read verses one through five, and I'm going to jump down to the two verses of emphasis for this particular theme today. I know it's Advent season, and this is the first Sunday that we're anticipating the Savior coming, even though we know he's already came. He's on his way back. Once you have it, again, Galatians, the sixth chapter, verses one through five, if you're able to rest on your feet for the reverence of God's word. Reading from the NIV version, and it says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Verse 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for it all for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers the word of the lord you may be seated Think with me this morning from this thought, when opportunity knocks, when, when, when opportunity knocks, sometimes in the battle between flesh and spirit, sincere Christians fail. For we have opportunities all around us to serve Christ. 
We just need to be sensitive to those opportunities. We just recently fed a bunch of folks just a few days ago. That was an opportunity that knocked. We didn't do it because that's what we do every year. Those are the opportunities that Christ present to us. When we effectively handle our burdens as well as the burdens of others, we demonstrate the same love Christ demonstrated on the cross for all of us. Through Jesus, we can triumph over any temptation. We recognize our human limitations and trust in the faithfulness of God to safeguard us from the snare of the one who would have us fail to achieve our divine purposes. Satan is not trying to encourage you along the way. Satan is trying to discourage you. See, when opportunity knocks, it's an opportunity for the church to take advantage of suitable situations to accomplish its divine missions. It's a chance to get something done. It's a chance to advance educational programming that's needed. It's a chance for the church to be seen as a pillar in the community while helping those who are hurting, while helping those who are in need. And it's a chance to help those suffering under the cloud of economic oppression. These are the opportunities that knock at our door. When opportunities knock, it is an opportunity to raise one's voice, an opportunity to contribute to a cause, an opportunity to serve with hearts of grace and hands of compassion. For when we stand strong against evil and abuse in this world, we are preparing to stand with the Son of God. We must not wait to see what others are doing, but be in constant prayer and meditation to God. So it's not important what your neighbor is doing. It's not important what other churches are doing. What has God specifically called us to do? In the words of Emily Dickinson, she says, Behavior is what a man does, not what he thinks, feels, or believes. Therefore, when opportunity knocks, we must have, must behave accordingly. In our text this morning, Paul presents what is called a hypothetical situation of a believer who is suddenly tripped up and falls into sin. I see a believer that's tripped up. See, the word overtaken carries the idea of being surprised. So it is not a case of deliberate obedience. Sometimes we can be surprised, but other times we intentionally do what we know we should not do. Paul used this illustration because nothing reveals the wickedness of legalism better than the way the legalist treats those who have sinned. You see, legalists or Pharisees 
were harder on other people than they were on themselves. And sometimes we become legalists in the church. We, just because we know a few verses of scripture, just because we know a few songs, just because we know a few sermons, we forgot where God brought us from, but we want to impact and put our own theology on other people. You become a Pharisee, just like what Jesus was talking about in this text. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about other folk. They were not interested in bearing others' burdens. Remember when the Pharisees dragged a woman caught in adultery before Jesus in John 8? They were legalists. See, legalists do not need the facts and the proof. All they need is suspicion and rumors. Their self-righteous imagination will do the rest. They don't need all the facts. All their suspicions. All they got to do is hear about it. All you got to do is just give them a call and gossip about it. That's all they need. We have to be careful not to become legalistic. Paul was contrasting the way the legalists would deal with the erring brother versus the way the spiritual man would deal with him. See, as Christians, we need to ensure that moral principles have not lost their distinctiveness. We must not be misled to believe that right and wrong are a matter of what the majority are doing. That's how we get ourselves in trouble. Everybody else is doing it. I don't know why we shouldn't be doing it at our church. All the other churches are doing it. We got to be careful of that. Paul says the spiritual man would seek to restore the brother in love while the legalism or legalist would exploit the brother. See, the word restore means to mend as a net or to restore a broken bone. See, if you have ever had a broken bone, you know how painful it is to have it set. See, the sinning believer is like a broken bone in the body. He or she needs to be restored. See, when we work together to help the weak and restore the fallen, we demonstrate the kind of healing and growth that a healthy human body constantly experiences. The healthy body of Christ needs to experience the same kind of healing and growth. See, the believer who walks in the Spirit is not competing with other Christians or challenging them to become as good as he is. The Spirit-led believer approaches the matter in a spirit of what the text says, of meekness and love, while the legalist has an attitude of pride and condemnation. It says in verse 2, and it says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As we bear one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the simple law of Christ. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, 
that you what? Love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's what he says in John. See, the word burden here means a heavy load that is hard to lift and difficult to carry. This text assumes we all have burdens. John Piper, the theologian, defines a burden as anything that can crush the joy of our faith. That's what a burden is. Anything that's too heavy for you to carry on your own. Jesus has already said, we don't have to carry nothing on our own. You don't have to be a weightlifter. Jesus said, I'm the weightlifter. I can lift all the weight, all the burden, everything that you're trying to carry. He said, all you got to do is just turn it over to me. See, whether they are financial, relational, emotional, or spiritual, it doesn't matter what they are. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter writes in this, he says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore all our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live righteously. By his wounds you have been healed. See, Jesus invites us to depend on him to carry all of our burdens. That's why he says in Matthew 11, come to me, what? All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's why we can't rest at night. We're trying to carry something that was never meant for us to carry. Now, Paul goes into a second contrast in the text. He says, do it with tender, loving care. See, when we approach somebody, when we want to discipline somebody, we want to put somebody in check. Paul said, that's okay, but do it in tender, loving care. That's why everybody can't check everybody because you don't have tender, loving care. You only have tender, loving care sometimes, even when it comes to your children. That's why they won't listen to us sometimes. I'm just telling you what the text says. He says, do it in tender, loving care. We have to understand that how much we appreciate when the doctor uses tender, loving care as he sets the broken bone in our body. And how much more should we use tender, loving care when we seek to restore a broken life? When we invite people to come to our church, they've had shattered lives. Their lives have been torn apart. The last thing they need for somebody that's so high-minded and legalistic to tell them how they ought to behave. We have to be careful. When you become critical, judgmental, and haughty as a follower of Christ and refuse to gently restore the fallen brother or sister, it makes you arrogant. And that's why we sometimes we look around, we say, so-and-so don't come no more. We don't say, I wonder what I said. I wonder what I did. 
See, when people distanced themselves for, from you, something took place. We should be the first one to seek that brother and sister say, what did I do to you? I, don't, I can't remember what I did to you, but I'm sorry, whatever I did. Please share with me. No, we want to say, I know I ain't do nothing. That's just how they are. They don't go to church often anyway. We have to be careful because we become what Paul is talking about in the text, a legalist. Paul continues on and says, a man should prove his own work. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, each one should test his own actions in light of God's will and not in the shadows of somebody else's achievement. We can't live in grandmama's yesterday. We can't live in daddy's yesterday. We got to stand on our own achievements and accomplishments. In other words, we must be careful that we are not making others look bad just to make ourselves look good. So that's easy to do. There is no place for competition in the work of God. And each man, each woman should test his own actions. And although we should help each other bear the heavy burden of life, that's what verse 2 says. But notice in the text, he also uses burdens again in verse 5. For each one should carry his own load. This particular burden is a reference to personal responsibility. In other words, it's a soldier's pack that each man, each woman must bear himself their own. Each soldier must bear his own pack. See, if my car breaks down and my neighbors can help drive my children to school, but they cannot assume the responsibility as I have as a father. That's my soldier's pack. See, people can help you out, but don't think that they should be obligated to do what God has blessed you or called you to do. That's what he's talking about in this particular. That's why he says again in verse 5, for each one should carry his own load, your own personal load. We got an obligation to do that. That's our responsibility. That is my soldier's pack that I alone must bear. But the goal is restoration. And we want to restore our brothers and sisters to their usefulness in the body of Christ. That's why the Bible said we all have gifts. We all have individual gifts. How do we take those individual gifts and work them for the kingdom of God? So here are a couple points that I want to share with you this morning that I see in the text as I go into the last two verses of emphasis. The first thing I see is don't let the the visual outcome determine your level of boldness. The text says, let, not, let, let us not become weary in doing good. 
Let us not become weary in doing good. In other words, I see this could be the visual of outcome sometimes can make us feel like it's not worth us investing in anything. All of us at times grow weary and well-doing. We try to do the right thing, but it goes unappreciated. We try to live moral lives, but the world just laughs at us. This Galatian church started off doing all the right things, but over time, they began to struggle. And they were not seeing the results that they were previously seeing. See, some false doctrines had creeped into the church and Judaizers arrived on the scene, making it harder to bring in the harvest. And what happens when things get harder and you are not seeing the results? You grow weary and wanting to give up. I'm saying to you today, don't throw in the towel. Everything what you see may not be what it appears to be, but continue to be faithful over a few things. And he said he will make us ruler over many. I forget Deke told me how many people they fed this past Thanksgiving day. It was less than what they did in the past. But don't be get caught up on the numbers. If you fed one person, that was a blessing in the kingdom of God. That was a person that was in need. Just because you fed a thousand doesn't mean that it is better than feeding the one. That's why when we extend the invitation to discipleship, if one person comes, that's more than enough. Heaven begins to shout. We have to understand it's not the many. It's about the one. We have to remember that we serve the Lord, not people. This ain't the government. This ain't the stimulus package. We don't serve the people, we serve the Lord. The seed that is planted does not bear fruit immediately, does it? There are seasons to the soul just as there are seasons to nature. And we must give the seed time to take root and bear fruit. Somebody planted the seed. I don't know if it was your mama, your grandmother, auntie, uncle, your neighbor, but they planted a seed inside of you. They didn't think that that seed was going to ever grow, but it's taken root because you wouldn't be here now. Sometimes we have to allow the seeds of life to continue to grow. We have to continue to nurture those things, continue to water those things, to continue to to feed those things, to continue to give them the vitamins and the nutrients that they need. Somebody planted something in you a long time ago, and they were willing to wait for God to give the increase. So we have to understand that that's what he is trying to get us to see. Don't get caught up on the visual, because sometimes we grow weary. Then his next point, he says, don't let the wind determine your level of involvement. You say, where is that, Pastor? He says, let us not grow, become weary in doing good for at the proper time. That's the wind. See, 
when will this happen? At a time known only to God shall we reap the harvest. The reference in this text calls it the proper time. That's the when. That phrase appears in about 22 times in the Bible, and that term proper time means God's timing. God got his own timing. The proper activities at the right time brings about God's purposes. I'm reminded that Zechariah was silent by God for his unbelief, and God tells him that he will speak again in the proper time. That's what it says in Luke 1.20. And then there were, then we are told in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 6, that the man of lawlessness is being restrained until what? The proper time. God is holding back the Antichrist until the proper time. Because Jesus hasn't come yet. The proper time is God's time. The scriptures encourages me to keep doing good even if I have not seen the results in my timing. Because it's not about my timing. It's all about God's timing. See, we have to remember that Jesus calls us to be faithful, not successful. There's a difference. He says, be faithful. You keep saying, well, I got to be successful in what I'm doing. No, he said, just be faithful over a few things. There's a difference between faithfulness and successfulness. If you're faithful, you're successful. God will bless you. How do we confront harsh realities? How do we question difficult truths? Not everything that we confront can be changed. But nothing can be changed unless it is confronted. Don't be discouraged. For amidst the glamour of suffering, we must hear the knock of opportunity. Finally, in the last verse, he says, in verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, he said, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. He says, when opportunity knocks, he said, we must remember that the Lord of the harvest is in charge, not the laborers. That's because you work in the vineyard, you ain't in charge. You ever notice that when you ever go to a store and you ask the question, the person that you're dealing with always act like they're in charge. You say, well, well, this was different the last time. Well, it's always been that. Well, can I talk to somebody? It don't matter. I'm telling you how it is. They always act like they're in charge. They the laborers. That's why you ask for the manager, because they ain't in charge. Therefore, sharing blessings involves much more than teaching the word and giving our material substance. It is doing good and success unto all men. This is how we let our light shine. This is how we glorify our Father in heaven. As we do good unto all men, we must give priority to the household of faith, the fellowship of believers. Now, this does not mean you should become a clique. 
It talks about giving balance. So we must remember we share with other Christians so that all of us might be able to share with a needy world. When we look at our world today, people have different needs. But the biggest need that they have is something to eat. The biggest need that they have is loss of employmentship. The biggest need that they have is I miss the fellowship. The biggest need that they have, I miss seeing people's face. The biggest need that they have is loneliness. The biggest need that they have. And we have to be mindful that we have to be able to address those needs. I'm done, but I got to tell you a story. His name was Clarence, and Clarence's father wanted him to go and secure the gate and the barn door to their farm one night. But Clarence was scared to tell his father he was afraid of the dark. So he was obedient to his father's wishes. As he began to walk outside in the dark, he saw a light shining down into the direction in which he was going. So he followed the light in which the light led him down to the gate. And to his surprise, the light also led him down to the barn door. To his surprise, it was his father who had a lantern and was leading him in the darkness. Why do I tell you this story? Because when we trust the father, he will lead us to the light. He will show up at the proper time to carry us through the night. He will make a way out of no way. He will make the crooked places in your life straight. When opportunity nights, we have to trust in the light, the beautiful light, the light that shines all around us by day and by night. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm talking about when opportunity knocks, we have to be a vacant available, the beacon light in a dark, dark world when opportunity not. But when we talk to people, we have to talk to them with tender, loving care. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here. When I say here, I'm talking about digitally here that's on the call and you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sin. This is an opportunity that's knocking. We're talking about salvation now. If you're outside the ark of safety and you need the Lord in your life, the Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Salvation is yours. That means wherever you are, fall on your knees. Lay prostrate before the Lord. Invite the Lord to come into your life. If you do it, did that, you saved. Now, if you're looking for church membership, you got to call the church office. Let the church know that you want to unite with this great branch of Zion. How do you go about that? Call the church office. 
if you know a deacon or if you know one of the leaders in the church, they are available. I, too, am available. As they sang, is there one? Is there one? Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? This is your opportunity. The Lord is my light and salvation. Who shall I fear? Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will wait on you. If you need Jesus in your life. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Thank you, church family. We're going to stand on our feet for the benediction. We're praying for you wherever you are in this event season. This is a time that sometimes brings good memories and bad memories. Loved ones that have passed on during this time. This is always a difficult time for a lot of people. This might be your first, might be your second. But that's why I say to you today that this is a burden that God says, just leave it at the altar and he'll carry it for us. So we're praying for you. We're praying that you'd be encouraged. Now the God of patience and constellation grant you to be like-minded one towards another that you will with one mind and one voice glorify God, even the Father of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, it will be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my great redeemer. Go in peace, my brothers and sisters. Until the next time, we love you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Oh, I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord.